0: Welcome to The Arrangers Podcast. I'm Aaron Heddenstrom. And I'm Drew Zaremba. The Arrangers Podcast is dedicated to the insightful discussion of music arranging and composition. What we do takes a lot of hard work and resources.
1: We are asking for support from listeners like you to continue to make this podcast available for everybody.
0: Please consider contributing a monthly donation to our Patreon platform. We sincerely appreciate any contributions you are able to give. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram or leave a review on iTunes. Be sure to send us your questions and
1: feedback to thearrangerspodcast at gmail.com and find out more at www.thearrangerspodcast.com.
0: Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. How are you, Aaron? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Doing just fine. I'm excited to share this interview with all the people listening. And for those of you who didn't know, in May of 2019, we attended the ISJAC Symposium, the International Society of Jazz Composers and Arrangers in Greeley, Colorado, hosted by the University of Northern Colorado. Uh, Aaron and I had the opportunity to interview many of the world's leading composers and arrangers there. ISJAC
1: is an awesome organization that unites jazz composers and arrangers together. To promote new work, share research and knowledge, and bond together in community. Something that, uh, let's be honest, arrangers and composers could uh, use a little bit of.
0: Yeah, we often live a little bit of solitary lives and don't get to hang out with each other much. We hang out with performers more, not with other jazz composers. So they're really doing marvelous things. And uh, it was just a, what a fantastic opportunity to meet a bunch of people including uh, a person who's now very much on our radar. I, I'm sad that I didn't know more about her before, but uh, the interview today is with Christine Jensen, an interview that you did. Isn't that right, Aaron?
1: Yep, I got to sit down with Christine Jensen, fantastic big band leader, small group leader, saxophonist, educator, lives in Montreal and teaches at McGill University, uh, which is right. you know an outstanding school for, uh, for music. And we had a great chat. She's a super nice and fun person to talk to. Um, and her music is stunning. I, I, you know, since we talked, I've listened to a lot of her compositions, uh, which are available online. And I have to say, um, she's one of my favorite writers.
0: Yeah, she has a very unique voice that combines uh, many different elements of modernism and laced with tradition. I recommend that you all check her music out. And we knew that we had to uh, interview her as she was one of the featured panelists at the 2019 ISJAC conference. Um, She's released many albums, six albums as a leader, uh, three small and three large ensemble,
1: Christine has really become an in-demand composer, arranger, and clinician all around the world and has traveled to several continents and, and many countries to be a featured performer and have her music played by by groups all across the globe. It was really a privilege to have the opportunity to sit down with her and, and uh, you know, see where her mind is at.
0: We hope that you really dig the interview, so let's get right to it.
1: We're here with Christine Jensen and we're gonna get into a few different questions that we've um, crafted ahead of time and uh, so first of all what are two or three things uh, maybe experiences you've had uh, along the way that have made a big difference in your writing career or in your education in, in writing jazz music or any kind of music?
2: Uh, it's been- Tailored to writing, I mean, I'm a saxophone player that writes, or piano player that writes. Um, I'd say my biggest experiences have been on the bandstand, learning from others, learning from my mentors uh, in Canada and the U.S., and then maybe some, upon realizing I really loved Big Band, not just playing it and the sound of it, but wanting to maybe try my own ideas with it, I think going to university and taking arranging was a big step. Mm. And then upon graduating from university about uh, nine years later, I had the opportunity to go to the BMI Jazz Workshop and study with serious writers that mentored us Mm. and showed us what a page looks like and how you can craft that Mm. that work so that's from a writing perspective i mean i I also think playing is a really integral part of my process as well Mm.
1: so when it comes to um the way that you're playing and your writing kind of interact together what how would you say that's um kind of manifested itself
2: Well, I think when I write, uh, the universal component of it is, will I be able to play it again? Mm. And will I be able to play it again to a point where I get to play the saxophone and not conduct? Mm. Um, Sometimes that gets to happen, and that's when, like last week I was in Trondheim, Norway Mm. with a big band of young musicians that are university age at a very high level, Mm. and they I thought, oh, okay, they're calling me to do this. And I, I do this all the time. I go out and work with big bands. And, <laughs> and they're like, and we have a conductor. And I kept writing them every few months. Do you need me to conduct? Mm. Do you need me to conduct? Like, no, no, it's fine. We have a conductor. You, you're just going to play. So in a way, it was like this delicious dessert I got to eat. Huh, cool. After all the work I've done. And yeah. they really made a place for me to, to put my own... Sound. I mean, sound is individual sound, and and creating your own voice in this music is is uh, something that's really hard to do. And mm. I've just been really lucky to have some strong guidance as a as a musician in that area. Mm.
1: Yeah, because when you, when I listen to your compositions, like I, that's the sense I get is that you have a very unique, strong voice. And it's always a question that people ask. You know, it's like what what goes into finding a voice you know because there's obviously imitation is one of the first steps you do as a musician and then from there it's kind of well what's the next you know how do i emerge from that imitation phase do you have any insights and maybe some like what you've experienced in that regard
2: imitation it's a very important. Yeah. It's an important process to go through. I think mm. that whole idea, whether you're a saxophone player transcribing Cannonball or um, a, an arranger sitting down and doing an eight-bar exact replica of Thad Jones Tootie, these and you have to do it yourself by hand mm. or by ear. Those are your those are your tools, your hands and your ears, especially mm. your ears, and the sound you get to make. And uh, I think. I get worried sometimes because I don't know if we we are thinking with our voices enough, like literally the voice, mm. singing, singing wise, this is one thing I've also experienced a lot of through being in choirs as a kid and then mm. again revisiting the idea of song in in Scandinavia especially, everybody sings. Mm. They all have to sing. I mean, they don't have to. It's just part of their culture. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something we lose. Although, again, going into Carla Blay or Mingus or, the, you know, the masters, they mm-hmm. come out of the church. They've been singing all the time, too. Right, yeah. So uh, it's something we can't... Uh, um, it's something that you have to do and put it into your music to make it kind of more individual, and that might be a place to think about. But uh, emulation is always a step toward finding your own voice. Mm. And there's a point to stop. Mm. And hopefully you have good mentors that tell you when you should stop or keep going mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. get to that point. Yeah,
1: interesting. Yeah, so with your personal you know, learning process when you were first kind of exploring this, do you have a, a moment that you kind of felt like it's my time to venture off into my own territory
2: um as a big band writer specifically or as a yeah player or, or
1: as an artist anything yeah
2: oh i th- i think you know i am really lucky because the biggest mentor in my life is my oldest older sister ingrid mm-hmm. who, who plays trumpet and she it, I, I don't think anyone else maybe randy and michael brecker had the same thing i don't Mm. know but it's this thing where it's like man the older siblings doing it yeah and the younger sibling is either gonna run with all the mistakes the older sibling gets to make or all the successes they make yeah and they get to kind of make choices based on on whether they want to go with it or go another way you can't be the same person twice you know sure you can't do the same thing twice and um, I think that was that's like a really big thing I have someone that that's easily able to critique me and I can take it and mm. then on another level my husband is also a composer and mm. have a saxophone player so that's really easy to get um, a lot of conversation going and a lot of listening going mm-hmm. critical listening together on our music i mean he gets me to conduct his music i get him to play on my music cool, so yeah there's so much uh, feedback i get to have and and risks i get to take because i know i'm gonna get the feedback on mm. it. yeah
1: that's great yeah i think it's really cool and you have musical families that all kind of commit so heavily to it and um, let's see um What are some of your key influences, if you were to name a few, composers that really, or arrangers that really, you know, guided your sensibilities?
2: I'd say the first one is Sammy Nastico. Hmm. Just that clarity and that, like, how do you make it such a simple thing so beautiful? Hmm. Um, And clear sectional writing and enjoying playing in a section because of his his arranging Mm. um and that's as a student as a kid that's probably the first name i remember right right um after that that jones after that i would put uh i kind of grouped them together maria and mcneely Mm. brookmeyer yeah even though they're all students of each other but um there's that contemporary american thing Mm -hmm. and now you know again the missing voices Carla she's got all this Americana but actually I used to listen to the Liberation Orchestra before mm. all of this stuff and I thought what an interest! I don't know what they're doing mm. like it was a little more I've actually find it really creative music mm-hmm, and personalities that stand out so heavily from their relationships with each other as musicians mm.
1: Very cool, yeah, it's always good to know you know the composers you look up to, who they listen to, and certainly you're you're one of those people so <laughs> so thank you for sharing that um let's see, so our next question that we kind of drafted up here is um, do you have like an idea for what what's a good trend and what's a bad trend you might see in composition and arranging? maybe in students or maybe just in the world at large?
2: Wow, good and bad trends. It's such a small world what we're trying to do, and I would say the bad trend is we're avoiding swing sometimes. Mm. Sure. depends what school you're coming out of, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the good trends are, are that we're, we have so much access to other music now at our fingertips that Mm. people are i'm hearing a lot more colorful world sounds that remind me of what Gil evans might have been shooting for later and especially well through his whole life but yeah later in life like just trying to make a new sound Mm. like or not not even trying to make a new sound just trying to to somehow capture what he has in his head Mm. coming out that is a fresh sound And I don't think that's even his goal. It's just for us to be impacted by something new, Mm -hmm. I guess. I mean, it's not going to be something old, that's for sure. Uh, So music moving forward, I I think uh, it's funny at this conference because everyone keeps talking about putting it down on pencil and paper still Mm, and I think that's that's a lost art and it helps it's it's detracting from the kind of mental focus that is needed to really be alone at peace with your thoughts thoughts so you can take risks on paper Mm.
1: so would you say that you like to work with pencil and paper along the way
2: yeah, I like I like what Vince was saying about the grid and mm. and like starting with no grid. Okay, right? yeah. And just shaping things and and you have choices of how you're going to shape things. I I'm always thinking about melody in one setting, harmony in one setting, and rhythm in one setting
1: mm-hmm. and
2: how each can somehow add something different
1: mm-hmm. to
2: what might what might come out as the normal so trying to mess up one of those things is one of my goals,
1: usually. Mm, mm. Yeah. Um, Along those notes with the process of writing, you know, it's interesting to hear different people's process and, like, in some ways, everyone has a similar process, but a lot of times it varies from person to person. Um, When you're writing, do you get, like, a certain feeling of excitement or is it, Sort of different phases of writing give you different emotions, because I find that a lot of people say, you know, the first idea might be really exciting, and then the second phase where you have to really develop those ideas is just hard work. And I'm just wondering if you have any, you know, insights along those lines.
2: I think it's all hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes it's all easy, but um, it, it just there's so many factors involved for me. When I'm writing, am I writing for myself? Am I writing for someone else? Mm. What are my parameters on it? Lately, I've been getting a lot of that that side of it. Mm. And i I think the easiest place for me to write is when I write for myself and the musicians I'm thinking of mm. because there's much more flow to it mm-hmm. for me. And I wish I could not have this separation. So in that sense, I guess the process itself coming up with the idea is really fun yeah because i can do whatever i want (laughs) i can throw it away i can yeah continue it i can see how far i can go i might still throw it away but um i also might save it Mm. because it's not the right one for the right time and i love doing that so i have many books full i go back and i still sort of hash through ideas um which is really that I had done previously, which is kind of a fun. So it's always my last desperate attempt at starts. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but then I I also work on having lots of different tools. Like a place like this, I get a lot of ideas from other composers on on adding to my bag of tools of how to start mm. or how to how to work on pacing. Pacing is mm-hmm. a big one.
1: Sure. Yeah.
2: I can write a small lead sheet and have a certain pacing, and then I can have to write a you know six minute work for a large ensemble and it has to have a certain pacing mm-hmm. and sometimes they turn into twenty minute works, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah so um being the busy working musician and educator that you are, um, what does your schedule look like in terms of writing like how what what uh, kind of time do you? set aside or find to work on this what is kind of the flow of that look like
2: in my ideal world i would be doing it every day Mm. three to six hours just nicely Mm -hmm. (laughs) that never happens (laughs) but i do i do set i if i take on a project i will set time aside like chunk it has to be chunks i always say Especially, I I, I love it because I get to collaborate sometimes with other composers and we're doing the same pacing of work and we both, like, we'll have these conversations and it's all about finding a good four-hour chunk to start, Mm. I say. That's Mm. what I tell my students. You need a good four hours. Like, you can get up, you can walk away, but you just have to be in it. You Mm. can walk around the block if you want. Right. Just be in what you're trying to develop you can't do it in 30 minutes Mm. maybe you can well you're you have a lot of stuff going on if you do 30 minutes and then you find rows of those four hour chunks Mm. so sometimes i might go not lately once i had a child everything i'm talking about changed but i used to go oh wow i have i gotta go write some music for myself we're gonna go to banff and
0: Yeah. myself
2: in a cabin for two weeks and someone will feed me Uh and i get so much done Mm. it's ridiculous Mm. i get more done in those two weeks than it takes for me in a year through my daily schedule everything else so those are really important times if i can salvage them yeah and uh so that i think that's a big part of it
1: yeah that makes a lot of sense to me and Speaking of your family and having kids, um, I have a two-year-old myself and, I'm, and a wife and, and uh, enjoy it a lot, but it's also, you know, makes the writing process a little bit more difficult to find those large chunks of time. Um, but is there any, I guess, experiences you can share about kind of living a life of being a musician, and having kind of this craziness with your schedule? <laughs> and at the same time, you know, having a family and and being there and all that stuff?
2: I think the great thing is, is that, um, first of all, you get to have a family. You get to have experiences that mm. you will not have without having a family. Mm. Um, it's not for everybody. I know that. But uh, it's definitely had its rewards for me. And I think my use of time, as much as it sounds insane, I actually... When I do get those chunks, I really focus in them now. Mm. And um, I think a time goes by a lot faster the older you get. Mm-hmm. I used to have teachers telling me that, and I was like, No, it's not true. You yeah, you go out for a beer with your friends and then sleep in, and yeah. you know, start <laughs> at 11 when you feel like it. That's right. That's all gone. Yeah. So instead, I get to appreciate uh, those precious moments with my family, and I also get to even more appreciate the moments where i get to create Mm.
1: awesome um so what uh what are you listening to right now right
2: i think you kind of asked me this what am i listening to right now this morning i turned on a new charlie hayden not new but to everyone else but something charlie hayden liberation orchestra with whale sounds and they did a really good job Hmm. capturing whale sounds wow um in the orchestra between the celloed bass or sorry the the bowed bass and the i think it was a tenor Mm. it was so cool they really sounded like whales wow so knowing that that's out there is really cool Mm. i listen to less and less and it's really hard especially now that my child is old enough to listen to music and filter it into my life so yeah I warn everyone, you know, get them headphones. <laughs> right. No, I don't know, but um, <laughs> uh, it's yeah. I do listening with my students. Um, I would have to make a list. Mm-hmm. I listen to lots of Vince Mendoza because I really like his his pacing and mm. his his sort of artful his artful way of presenting music that tells you a story. So I like any music like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I noticed that at the concert of his last night, how there'd be large chunks of a composition that were just quiet. Yeah. You know, even during a solo section, you know, a lot of times it'll be the kind of the classic build up over a certain period of time, but seemed like it was really, you know.
2: He knows when to save the energy of the band and then explode it. Right. At a very high level. Yeah. It's something students probably need to. Spend the most time paying attention to that.
1: Mm. Well, and you, your presentation yesterday, you, you know, you were demonstrating how that shows up in your music, and you do an excellent job of that. Um, and uh, you got a question about that from someone in the audience. How do you pace, you know, your your compositions? And then you also mentioned how do you transition from one idea or thought to another. So, is there any kind of follow up to that you could uh, offer?
2: Practice listening to transitions. Hmm. How, do, how did this music flow so smoothly to keep us engaged? There's lots of techniques to study with that. Hmm. I can't say there's one book out there. Sure. I think it's all in the language of learning this. And again, this place is a great, I could have written down, I don't know, 10 pages of notes of just little phrases everyone's been saying about yeah. how they develop something or mm. develop just the start of something, or where they get their resources from to do it. And I, and I don't even think we've touched on a lot of topics here yeah. that are part of jazz for me, like free free forms and, mm-hmm. and opening things up for the improviser. We never talk about the improviser mm. as composers because we're so so kind of like working on the details of how to give them a platform. Mm-hmm. but it's something I have to think about a lot.
1: Yeah, when you were showing the example of your piece about the um, political movement in Canada, um, that was super cool how, like, the... You were mentioning the tenor soloist had so much space that you probably never given a soloist that much <laughs> space before. Yeah. And it worked out so great, and I was just wondering... Um, what do you think about when you have a soloist in mind and, like, you're kind of coming up with all the stuff around it?
2: I really am just thinking of having a conversation between two groups or or two people. And how is that conversation going to go? Is it going to be very eloquent and big statement made and a small response? Or is it going to be kind of an argument and interruptions? these are what i'm trying to capture in my music all the time through Mm. sections or through through even individuals in sections Mm. um it's it's tricky yeah (laughs) something McNeely taught me that i that i cherish because once he it was weird it was like i was trying to do something i was trying to do something i didn't know what i was trying to do actually Mm. and then he said well you know you've got this great section, it's like a whole statement and it's a character and what do you want to do with that character? Is it gonna dissolve? Is it gonna grow? Is it gonna go you know, is mm. it gonna are we going to get to know it? These mm. are questions Yeah about the piece. And so that piece in particular I was really having fun with the idea of <clears throat> okay, we're going on this big mission, right? Right, and yeah. it, it, we have the worst conditions right. to deal with. But it's because we're coming from the worst conditions, and can we do it? And there's a point where they thought they had to stop, and I kind of do that in the piece, and then the leader, who's the soloist, has to keep everything continuing, mm. like kind of getting the 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 team, you know, to go forward, picking them up, right. Picking them up off the, picking up the pieces and moving forward again is basically what had to happen. Mm.
1: And on that note, you know, you we were mentioning how you can use music and art as a way to kind of comment on the world, politics, or different situations or issues that are going on. And one thing that was really interesting throughout this whole weekend was that you know a lot of the presentations had to do with non-musical aspects of composing like the darcy james Argu talk where he spent a bunch of time on the history of <laughs> schoenberg world and one. world war one <laughs> and how that affected you know arts mm-hmm. the different art movements and whatnot um yeah and i would you know i've always sort of thought that one of the undervalued represent or one of the undervalued aspects of composing music is just your individual per- perspective as just a human being. Do you think about that a lot?
2: Yes, I do. Because I grew up in the most beautiful place on earth. Hmm. My first album is all about the environment and trying to capture the preciousness of the environment I grew up in, Hmm. the natural environment, and the supernatural. And um, my my album, Tree Lines, it was all about trees that are dying because Hmm. they're, they're not the, the pollution of the world is affecting a certain group of species oh. on this planet. Um, I've never gotten into animals yet. I'm, a, I'm afraid I'll head into the donating <laughs> all my money to the SPCA or something. But um, just, uh, I want, you know, I just want my students who are kind of like my children. They're not my children because they leave. But my. Uh, the people around me that have influenced me or that I get to influence I, I really want to keep that conversation of why why are we doing what we do as artists mm. you know what is what is what is our goal what are we trying to do and what can we do to help outside of music with with that with the power we have mm-hmm. through through making I mean, we're composers. It's, I'm not even talking about lyrics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get into lyrics, you're going to go Neil Young and all these amazing people that yeah. that are able to really make statements. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, that's why Carla Blay and Charlie Hayden are so inspirational to yeah. me that way. I've always tried to hear them live. Hmm. Yeah. And I've been really lucky because where I live in Montreal, <clears throat> there's a great jazz festival and they've always brought. hmm that band or something of Charlie Hayden's up every year. So that's great.
1: Yeah. Very inspiring, uh, thoughts about that. And, um, speaking of Montreal, um, I've traveled there and and I think it's a a wonderful city and they have a great music scene. Um, what, uh, what is it like being a part of that city and that culture and that scene as far as being a writer and a, a player and you know, all that stuff? (laughs)
2: <laughs> um if you ever check out rufus wainwright he's yes a great great songwriter mm-hmm. and has a really unique sound he's from montreal and he's always said i've always felt like an alien landing in my own city uh. <laughs> or something like that and i feel the same way i'm always like i'm kind of an alien i'll never be a part of huh. quebec it's it's its own I didn't I was not born there yeah those are not my roots right but man it is the most fun place to just if I need to at any drop of the hat have a great band play huh. my music everyone's always working yeah. and trying to play at a high level so there's um enough pool of music musicians there and enough creative scene to really make you I mean you can go out every night and hear something new
1: cool yeah very cool so what uh what's something about you that people should know or that you'd like to tell people about something you like to do outside of music or a hobby or an interest that you have
2: Ooh, that's a good one i think if i ever get a day off i like to just get on my bike Mm. yeah and bike around we have great bike paths Mm. and Or in the winter, oh this is a good one, this is how lucky I am to live in a city that's really cold, Uh. is that we have a mountain that is sort of the middle of the city Okay. and in the winter my husband and I will go, okay let's drop live off at school or at the bus and we throw our skis in the car and within five minutes we are cross-country skiing in the woods. That's
1: awesome. Yeah, we live downtown that's awesome
2: yeah and we really try to do it as much as we can
1: that's super cool did you grow up cross-country skiing
2: not at all i grew up downhill actually Oh, okay on the west coast gotcha so it was a little more expensive in trying but cross-country is a great thing for composers it's very cheap yeah to do you just have to get some skis and there's lots of free trails so yeah it's just a really nice peaceful thing to do mm-hmm. and it's weird because you're in the middle of a city with trees, but yeah. you can sort of feel the cities around the country as opposed to the other way. Right, so that's it's cool. kind of a cool thing.
1: I've had a very similar experience because I grew up in St. Paul, Minnesota. My grandpa was a avid cross-country skier, and um, I was part of the cross-country ski team in high school.
2: Oh, cool! So we
1: would do in, in you know, very similar Minneapolis-St. Paul with the parks. Yeah. You can kind of go skiing within the city. Um, and so I, I always like to get to know what people like to do outside of music because sometimes we can get so focused on what we do. Yeah. It's nice to to think about you know the human side of things. Yeah, so. and if
2: I have time, you know the other the other opposite thing, if I have time, I love cooking and I love baking like recipes my grandmother and my mother used mm, to make. So cool. If if I can get there, I do. That's fun because when I'm composing, I can do longer recipes. Yeah.
1: Oh, cool! But you can kind of wait for it to cook. I've been cook touring itself.
2: and teaching so much, it's, I feel like I'm losing my skills. So. <laughs> yeah. What's
1: your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite dish or, or thing to cook or bake?
2: Um, oh, that's a good one. What do I always? I always make banana bread, my grandmother's recipe, and mm. I always um, I can make some fast pasta dishes that are great.
1: Nice. Yeah. Nice.
2: It's the step Italian in me. That I grew up with. Yeah. Learning to cook real Italian.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome.
2: Oh, and then the Danish. I have a Danish background. So I love once a year I make gravlocks. Yeah. And cool. we have a gravlocks party. Huh. In the dead of winter. Wow. Yeah.
1: Have you ever had lutefisk?
2: No, I don't want to eat that. Yeah, I mean. But you know, there's <laughs> some good smoked fish too. Yeah. Yeah. I get into it. I was just in Norway. It reminded me, oh yes, I must eat more fish.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, cool. Did Did you have any other um, final thoughts or maybe advice for aspiring writers?
2: Go to the library and look at the scores while you listen to the music. Ah, that's my one of my favorite things to do, and you learn a lot.
1: Huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you have a, a library that you go to at your school?
2: Yeah, I have a great library. Okay. McGill nice. has a fantastic library. Or I or I just collect scores as I go sometimes Mm. Um, I might meet composers or yeah there's a lot of paper in my house
1: Mm. and is this classical and jazz and everything in between oh
2: I love looking at classical scores Mm. especially contemporary I just want to know how did they write this out I just want to it's like the it's it's art on its own yeah you know yeah like I really got into Steve Reich for a while like how can you have that much minimalism going like how often did you write the passage kind of thing Right. I just want to know these things.
1: How does it kind of yeah. practically manifest itself for the player yeah. on the page? Um, very cool. And uh, where can people check out your music if they would like to follow up and, and do a deep dive?
2: I'm gradually working on my print publish publishing with my website mm. uh, that took me on, or my my company that took me on. It's a good friend of mine. He's plays in my band. He's my librarian. Mm. He's my copyist. Um, he's my editor. His name's Taylor Donaldson. He's mm. awesome. And he's in Montreal. And he started a company called whitewater.ca. Mm. I think it's in the program here. And he's produced, he, his goal is to put out Canadian jazz composer big band works oh great and so he's chosen five of us so far to work on um, selling our charts and you can do study scores and you can listen to Mm. clips of the music fantastic but man all my all my big band stuff is on iTunes and Spotify because I'm with a label that does that and I don't actually care yeah. Right now. Right. I just want people to be able to hear it. Right. Right. I'm terrible. I hate it all. Yeah. <laughs> and you can, um, you know, nicely try to buy the the physical copies from the record label I'm with, which is Just in Time Records. Okay.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you so much, Christine, for taking the time to uh, do this interview, and we really appreciate it. And uh, I'm sure that everyone's
0: gonna love hearing what you had to say.
2: Thank you. I love Colorado. Yay.
0: All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Arrangers Podcast. If you enjoyed what you just heard, you can support us directly with a small donation on Patreon or by sharing this episode with a friend. You can hear lots of other interviews, score studies, and fun discussions at www.thearrangerspodcast.com or wherever you find podcasts. Bye for now and keep writing.